of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the, the, name of the first one was Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havila where there is gold. And uh, Genesis chapter 12 and verse seven, <clears throat> the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, take your offspring, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And the words of Jesus say, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for this great opportunity for us to be together, to study your word. Lord, to, ab to be able to understand the vastness of uh, what you have entrusted into our lives, into our hands. Lord, we are so grateful that your word gives us evidence and gives us security, gives us a good foundation so that whatever we should believe is very clearly demonstrated by what you have said, but what, you, what is written in your word. So Lord Jesus, we pray today that we may be able to uh, catch the words that you give to us for our own personal lives. Lord, that we are not wasting time here in this world, Lord, but that we are investing our lives according to your promise. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what we must understand uh, is that God made provision for us long before we actually arrived. Uh, you know, that is, that is taking care. I mean, it's, it's very, very uh, wonderful to realize that somebody is taking good care of your life, even when you're not yet there. I mean, are these not good parents who are taking, you know, uh, a good list of, of, of requirements when they know a new baby is being born uh, around the corner. So they, they, they will plan for that. They will make sure that when finally the baby is uh, there, everything is ready. You know, sometimes, of course, uh, we, we, we think, let the baby first come and then we'll take, uh, take care of what is uh, required. But no, actually, we shouldn't do that. And, and God did, definitely didn't do that, you know. God definitely took good care. You know, I, I spoke to one young man a long time ago, and he says, my wife is sick. And of course, I didn't know at that time that uh, being sick could be uh, heavily pregnant, you know, which of course to me is not a sickness. And so uh, I said, you know, the baby is supposed to be born any time, you know. And uh, I says, okay, did you prepare? I says, no, I didn't prepare. He says, why? He says, first, I want to see it there. Maybe it's not going to be living. You know, now that's not good faith, you understand? Because when you, when you know there is something that God is going to entrust you, you should have faith that really God will release that to you. 
So if, if uh, you know, there's a pregnancy in your home uh, or in your, in, your, in your wider family, you know, get excited because God is going to give you uh, a wonderful, a great gift. And uh, don't, don't wait until the child has been born, but prepare. That's what God has done. So let me show you how God has prepared. You know, uh, uh, the Bible tells us that the Lord God planted a garden and he called it Eden. Okay, we, we know this is what we also call paradise. And uh, that uh, garden was a very conducive environment. You know, very, very wonderfully created, wonderfully made. An ideal surrounding for man to live in. You see, scientists are looking for places which could be like Earth, and they have been looking for, I don't know, hundreds of years, whether there is something out there that is like Earth, in case Earth is going down, we can run away to. Of course, you know, you can't go to the moon because you will die there. There is no atmosphere, there is no water, there is no nothing. This is not conducive. People have gone to Mars. People have taken pictures of Venus. You know, uh, they have been now sending uh, these uh, spaceships further and further afield. And of course, they have got the, the telescope out there to try and find out, is there somewhere a planet which is like ours? Well, I don't know. I can't answer you that question. But one, one thing I know, that God prepared this planet Earth for you and for me as a conducive environment. We do take care of it. And of course, sometimes we have been, as human beings, uh, really losing that dimension uh, that we didn't take good care of it. And that's why, you know, we have got so many strange weathers going on these days. But, you know, Earth is totally unique. There's no other planet like Earth. Okay, it is one amongst billions of stars. Billions of, you know, planets or whatever. One out of so many. And that is the place that God prepared for his plan, that particular plan that he had for mankind to unfold. Now, God has many other plans which we may not necessarily be aware of. God may do other things which we, you know, are not uh, told about. Definitely, the Bible told, tells us that According to scripture, there are principalities, you know, there are rulers, there are uh, different spheres, not necessarily like ours where we are here uh, in flesh and blood, but spiritual principalities, they are there. We, we don't know much about them, but we just realize, yes, they are also part of God's world. But for us, what is important is that God has created this wonderful earth, Okay, as a wonderful, conducive environment for us to live. And let me show you, you know, how God uh, took care of us. Because number one, God planted a garden. Okay, a garden is a place where things grow, isn't it? Where things are prepared to take care of our needs. Where things are flourishing. And so God prepared a garden so that we have everything that we require. And uh, interestingly, he didn't only plant the garden, but he also made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. And you know, the trees that God created have got two functions, okay? 
Some of them, of course, or many of them have fruits, others have... Uh, the Bible tells us here, and some seeds that uh, are reproducing them, but the Bible tells us here, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Okay, before eating, there's something more important. Okay? And that is what is good for the eye. Isn't that powerful? So God didn't only just want to keep you alive. He wanted to give you abundant life. He wanted you to enjoy the creation that God was about to, to make and to finish. So when God planted a garden, he made it a lush garden with a lot of different colors, you know, green grass and, 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 and different vegetations. Everything was there. And he did it so that we can enjoy God's creation, okay? You know, there are creatures that have no eyes. For instance, termites, they have no eyes. They don't see what is going on. And yet, you know, they are functioning in their own world. So if you look at them, they are not aware that you're looking at them, okay? But for us, we are made differently. We are made, you know, in a way that we can easily be able to enjoy all the things that God has prepared for us. So isn't that really great? You know, I mean, look here, we have always got some nice fresh flowers here. These are not plastic fl flowers, by the way. You know, they are real. And, and, and if you want, you can come afterwards and, and smell, you know. These are nice flowers. God gave us those kind of uh, vegetation, you know, to enjoy, to, have, to give us enjoyment in life and to, to make us, uh, you know, love the environment in which we, we live. Because God is a God who equally enjoys good things. So he gave us good things to enjoy. Okay, so he made all of the trees and the, and the, and the vegetation that are pleasing to the eye and good for food. By the way, you know, there was one tree that... Uh, um, God said we should not eat from, and somehow uh, Eve began to look at this tree because it was pleasing to the eye. I don't know why she didn't look at all the other trees, because the Bible tells us that all the trees were, because it's pleasing to the eye. Not all of them were pleasing to the eye. Okay? So make sure that you're not looking at the things that are tempting you, but that you're looking at the things that God has given to you to enjoy. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, what, what I want to underline here is the tree of life. So in other words, God positioned a very special, uh, you know, uh, tree in the, in the middle of the garden, and that is called the tree of life. And of course, the good, the good students of the word of God understand that the tree of life was a representation of the Christ, the son of the living God, okay? And, you know, for those of you who think, but Jesus was not alive then, of course, that is true. Jesus was born much later, but the Christ is eternal, okay? The Christ later would come into this world and become flesh, lay down his divinity and become a human being in the form of uh, the one we call Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, you know, the Christ is the anointed one. So there was that tree in that garden. So God took care 
of their natural needs, but also of their spiritual needs. Because, you know, the tree of life is really a representation of Christ, meaning that God was also taking care of their spiritual uh, requirements. Okay, but it didn't end there. It says, there was a river watering the garden and it flowed from Eden, you know, that actually means it was somehow uh, beginning its life within the garden and then it flowed beyond Eden it, itself. And from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havila, where there is gold. Of course, there were the other three rivers. I don't want to go into all of this. But interestingly, God not only gave us the requirements for our eyes, for our stomachs, but he gave us the requirements for our development, okay? Gold is one of the minerals that God put into his ground, okay? And uh, this is not the only one, okay, where God has put all the minerals there that, that we are digging for today, okay? Whether it's in Zambia, in Congo, or many other parts of the world, you know, the, we are a rich, rich nation because there's so many, many minerals in the ground of our of our soil. Isn't that powerful? And God said, okay, I want you to have everything for you uh, to make developments in future, for future inventions. And of course, we know today we have been making use of most of these minerals that are in the ground because God put them there, okay? He put everything there before we were even born. So that's how good, how well, how good cares, uh, God cares for all of us. And then finally, you know, when he put man there, he gave him the mandate to be the ruler in the domain that God had created just for him. Okay, must understand that uh, God didn't need that garden. God didn't need the earth for himself. I mean, after all, you know, he's God. You know, uh, at one time or the other, uh, the Bible calls the earth the footstool of God. So, uh, but nevertheless, he, he does need the creation. The creation was made for all of us, for you and for me. Okay, and that is really a powerful thought. So now God wants us to discern what God created for us. And you know, uh, I, I want you to really understand, you know, and I, I'm going to read a, a number of script, uh, scriptures just now, uh, how God was giving promises to the people he loves. And uh, for sure, God loves you. God loves us. We are his family. He gives us promises in a wonderful way so that we are able to be partakers of what God has prepared for us because he didn't prepare it for himself. He didn't need it. He didn't create it for the angels. Angels are spiritual beings. They don't need it. You know, uh, we as human beings, we are flesh and blood, and we need a physical world for our needs, giving us the supplies that are needed for our spiritual life. So the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8, See, I have given you this land. Go and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
and to their descendants after them. Okay? It's very, very important that we do understand that. Okay? God has given us an inheritance. God has given us, you know, a space, a land. You know, uh, something that can be quantified. And he says, I have given it to you. But, you know, you must take possession of it. It is not automatic that you are just living it. It is something that you have to actively take possession of. And of course, that is where we see people are failing over and over again. Because the people of Israel who were given the promised land, they were actually rejecting it in, a, in one generation, and that generation could never enter into the very promises of God. Uh, only the next generation, their children were able to take it. So we, we must understand that the challenge that we have is that we discern the lands, and of course all the blessings that are in the land, all the things that God has promised to us. You know, that wonderful uh, uh, body of promises that are in the scriptures, God has given that to us so that we take possession of it. It doesn't come automatically. It comes when we are taking hold of it. Okay, and that is important. That's why we need to discern our promised land, the promises that God has given to us. So it's important that we do not doubt that God means what he says, and even written down in scripture, you can be sure that he fully, 100% stands behind every single word because it's coming from him. Now let us explore how God promised that land, okay? Remember, the Garden of Eden was given to Adam and Eve, and of course, unfortunately, they squandered the good gift of God and they had to come out and they lived in a very different environment. Even so, God still took care of them, still uh, cared for all their needs and kept them alive throughout the next you know, uh, generations. But they were not living in the best environment that God had actually prepared for them. And you know that should not be true for, for us who are children of God. We should live in the very best environment that God has actually prepared for our goods, for our enjoyment, for our needs, for whatever is required in our life. God has given us that environment. Now, God gave promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And actually, he gave to them promises personalized. Okay? Very interesting. God is not saying it's to one and then it's true for all, but he gives to him personalized. Let me just read that scripture uh, in the book of uh, Genesis. You know, like in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, we already read uh, See, I have given you this land. Go and take possession of the land. Okay? Now, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, the Bible says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. 
Okay? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, God said the same thing to Abraham. The Bible says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Genesis chapter 12 is where God uh, speaks to Abraham and tells him that he will make you, him into a great nation and that all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And of course that is true because uh, not only through uh, the word of God that has come through the family of uh, Abraham, but also through Christ who is the seed of Abraham, we are all blessed. We are who we are today. We are the family of God because of that. So we are all touched, you know, every nation of the earth. But you know, in Genesis chapter 12, 7, God promises Abraham that space. He says, this is the land that I will give you. And that's where the term promised land comes from. Okay, because God gives a promise. In chapter 15, God comes back to him again. And he doesn't only make a promise, now he makes a covenant. Okay, today we would say we make a contract. And it's very interesting, you know, God doesn't need a contract, but he, he wanted to, 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 to be sure that man understands and is completely certain about God's intention. So God made a covenant with Abraham and says, this is the land that I'm going to give to you and your descendants. Now, Abraham couldn't take possession of that land completely because he was just one man, okay? Of course, he had a family and he had uh, servants, but nevertheless, he could not take care, uh, hold of the, whole, of the whole of the promises of God. There was so much more. And so, of course, it was not just for him, but God said very clearly, I give to you and your descendants. Praise God. And you know what? We are also descendants of Abraham. Okay, the Bible tells us that the blessings of Abraham have come to us. Abraham was a man of faith. And uh, all of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are people of faith. Okay, and faith remains. Okay, these three things remain. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, that is hope, faith, and love. Okay, so faith is one of the three, uh, you know, very most important things that God highlights. And so by faith, we should take possession of the land. So God promised Abraham, but at that time he was still called Abram exalted father. But then he made a covenant later with him again. You know, and even as he became Abraham, the, the, the father of many nations, you know, he gave him the land that was taken care of those nations, of those many families, the different tribes and so on. So God took care of uh, that in a powerful way. Later on, okay, Abraham had his time on earth, and when his time was finished, okay, his son Isaac was taking over. He was the, the one who inherited not only, you know, everything that was in the house of Abraham, but he inherited even the promises of God. But again, 
For God, it was not enough to just make Isaac somehow realize my father got this kind of promise from God, but God gave him that promise personally again. Let me take you to the book of Genesis chapter 26. The Bible says now there was a famine in the land. Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerah. Now that's a very interesting uh, term. You know, there was a famine in the land. Personal spiritual lives. We are going sometimes through times that are tough. You know, sometimes you have, you know, seemingly uh, enough of everything, and there are times when there seems to be shortage of everything. Okay, and you can see that we are living in a time when things become expensive, when things become short. You know, the world is in such a situation where, you know, wars are happening and they affect the supply lines and the supply chains of all kinds of different things. And so things become expensive, things become tough. And you find that you go in the shop and the same, thing, the same money that bought you a nice basket full of stuff is now only going to cover the, 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 the bottom. It's no longer full. That's a reality. So when there is a famine in the land, you know, uh, it's not something new that we are experiencing today. It was there today. But I want you to understand that with, despite the famine in the land, we are not dependent on the circumstances. We are dependent on God. Amen? And so God said to uh, Isaac, Verse 2, it says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I will tell you to live. Okay, so in other words, God told Isaac, This is your land. Don't try to run somewhere uh, for greener pastures. You know, a lot of people have gone for greener pastures only to come to realize that the greener pastures were not really much greener. They only looked greener from a distance. <laughs> okay. Uh, so sometimes we get disappointed because we are trying to go for greener pastures and then they don't work out that way. But then God said to Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. Actually, Abraham did that, okay? But he told, he told Isaac, for you there is no need to go beyond uh, and try to find your fortunes in, in Egypt because we know Egypt is always... Uh, the, the kind of picture that is of you. Verse 3 says, Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Isn't that powerful? So God personalizes, individualizes his promise. The same promise that he gave to Abraham, now he gives to Isaac and says, what I've said to Abraham is also true for you, the son, Isaac. And now listen, listen, verse 12. Genesis chapter 16, verse 12. This is a powerful, a powerful word. So Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Okay? And yet that was in a famine. Do you know? It was famine in the land. But because God said to him, 
stay in the land and uh, you know, plant your crops. That's what Isaac did. And in the same year, in the year of famine, he was reaping a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. So the, 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 the harvest was not because now all of a sudden uh, famine was over. No, it was because the Lord blessed him. Amen. So I want you to understand that even within your famine, God can bless you abundantly in a wonderful way. And you know, this is a, this is a powerful message which, which I take personally encouragement from and I, I want to apply it to my own situation as well. Okay? And I want to encourage you to do the same thing because God sends you this message today to personalize it to you. Okay? Just like God spoke to Abraham, but then again he spoke to Isaac and he also speaks to us today as we are together and listening to the same word God is speaking to us. Hey, this is powerful. Now I'm not finished. Okay? So the Lord blessed him. He, he reaped hundredfold in the, in the year of famine. He, he reaped hundredfold. Hmm, this is amazing. Huh? When have you been reaping last hundredfold? Hey, prepare yourself. You know, prepare yourself for a hundredfold blessing. So now, verse 13 says, the man, who was the man? Isaac, isn't it? The man, hey, became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. So rich and wealthy is not necessarily the same thing. Okay, you can be rich one day and tomorrow it's gone. But when you have wealth, when you're becoming wealthy, you know, uh, you, you, you really uh, don't, don't have the worries about the, the requirements that you need. So he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. You know, he lived in the same land. The Philistines saw his crop bringing forth a harvest hundredfold and they themselves did not have that because they had not, not the same blessings of God. Okay, they saw him grow. They saw him become rich and wealthy. They saw his, 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 his herds grow and his people, you know, who took care of all of the property becoming more and more. And you know, we can see from, from the life of Abraham who was just given the promise, this is your land. Now, Isaac took already one step further because he was now taking care and was taking possession of some of the land. Not of all of it, but of some good portion of the land already. And of course, that's the desire of God. Today we are so many and we can take care of much more of the land that God has promised to us. Hey, this is powerful. Okay, now let me take you to the next scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 28 verse 10. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. This is now speaking about the life of Jacob. You know, Jacob had just been in trouble with his brother because uh, he got the blessings from his father, Isaac, when Isaac was an old man and he couldn't see clearly anymore. So uh, Jacob went in, got the blessing as if he was the firstborn son when actually this blessing was meant to be for for, for, for first. But of course, I was not interested, and he sold his birthright to, to Jacob at first. But of course, he still wanted to have the blessing, 
And then, of course, there were these frictions. And so his mother told him, please, you must leave. Otherwise, I don't want to lose both of you because they could have fought or whatever could have happened. So the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba. This is where they were living, where the family of Isaac was living, and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place. Everybody say good place. Okay, so God prepares good places for us. Okay, and that good place, you know, when you first look at it, it may not sound so good because uh, the Bible tells us here, you know, uh, it was a good place to set up camp and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and to lay down to sleep. Would you want to have a stone for a pillow? So, I mean, it was a good place, but maybe, uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, there were certain things which were not so comfortable. But then, I believe that stone had another uh, powerful, uh, carries another powerful meaning, you know. Because, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the rock of ages. And maybe this is the very rock that God put there, you know, for him to put his head on. So it was a supernatural place. That's why it's a good place. Okay? That stone made a difference in his life. So he slept. But of course, he didn't only sleep, he dreamed. And the Bible says here, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Okay? So there was... There was constant movement. Actually, it was a message to, uh, to, to Jacob, you are not alone, okay? There's always new supply coming from the heavens, okay? The heavens are open. And uh, the best thing, of course, was not necessarily only the angels, because remember, angels are, are messengers that are sent to serve those who inherit salvation. So these angels were serving uh, this man who became a refugee, okay? And God sent his angels to serve him. But then, more than that, verse 13 says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, wow. I mean, imagine, heaven is open and God stands and speaks to you. And that's what I want you to understand. That's what I want to impress on your heart, that God has opened the heavens for all of us, and God speaks. And he says, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather. Actually, grandfather doesn't uh, really say in the, in, the, in the original language, to your father, Abraham, because, you know, uh, God has no grandchildren. He's only got sons. Okay, so he says, I've got... I've, uh, I'm the Lord of your father Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. That's why it was a good place. Eh? This was a good place. Because it was his place. He didn't even know it. He was unaware of the fact that this land was his land. And he said, this is your land. Okay? I'm giving it to you and your descendants. 
Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Wow. Once again, you know, God personalizes his promise. The same promise he gave to Abraham, the same promise he gave to Isaac, the same promise he gives again to Jacob. And he even tells him, you know, that he will spread out throughout the world. And that is really true. You know, the, the people of Israel have gone in every nation of the earth. Okay, and uh, sometimes, of course, there have been, that God said they have been uh, undergoing a lot of trouble, but we didn't realize that God sent them to carry a certain grace into the nations. And if you look into the inventions, you know, many of the inventors were actually of Jewish origin. Okay? Actually, you should do it. You do a, a, a research on, on, on that. It's very interesting. Okay? Including Einstein. Okay? Everybody talks about Albert Einstein. He was of Jewish origin. Many others as well. Okay, so God says to him, you know, uh, like the dust of the earth, you know, your descendants will be so numerous and they will be all over the world. And then he says, and all the families of the earth or all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Okay, once again, there's that, uh, you know, wonderful pointer to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who would live on earth and would lay down his life for all of us and bring us new life, bring us salvation. So this is powerful. Now what we must understand is that this is Old Testament. And I'm not saying the Old Testament is no longer valid. It is very valid. Okay? The promises that God has given to us through, you know, these people, they're still valid to us. Okay, we may not necessarily inherit that piece of land in the Middle East where the, uh, the, the land of Israel has been established. But there is a land that God has promised to us. You know, there's a land that God has spoken about with full of, full of blessings, full of, uh, you know, wonderful uh, things that we are to take hold of. Okay? The promises to the ecclesia, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are going far beyond just a piece of natural land. Okay? He has given us the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. He has promised us uh, a transformed heart, not a heart of stone, but a heart that is like the heart of God. Okay, he has promised us a new mind, a renewed mind. God has promised us to prosper us in body, soul, and spirit. Praise God. That's true prosperity, okay? Okay, there's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's, all, there's only everything wrong with prosperity when people are selfish. Okay, but prosperity is God's will for you and for me. Okay, according to body, that means to the natural, the physical. Soul, that means to your innermost being. And spirit. Okay, that means even in spiritual ways you should prosper. 
So what we must understand is that Jesus, when he came, took time to solidify the faith of his disciples. Again, he personalized everything that you know, was said in the Old Testament, plus many more things, to the disciples who became apostles. And of course, they were just forerunners of us. They were not unique because they were just bringing the message to us. You understand? The message was given to the disciples. They became apostles and then they took the message on and on and on. And through the generations it has reached us today and we are still recipients of the message of God. Praise the Lord. So God took care of you before you were even born. Okay? God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And that's why he took care of your requirements, your needs. Okay? And that's what God does. That's why he's God. He's not a human being who can just, you know, maybe take certain actions at a certain time. God has done it even before the foundation of the world. That's amazing. So God wants us to prosper according to body, soul, and spirit. In his letters. So, Jesus talks about these things. And, you know, we all know uh, Matthew chapter 6, at least we should know, where Jesus told us not to worry because we can't even add one day to our life. Okay? We don't even know how many hairs we have on our heads. Even if you are bold, you may still have some hairs which you don't see. Okay? But God knows. God knows everything. Because even if you are bold, if you wait for a while, the hairs will come back. Am I right? And God knows how many there are. We don't know, but he knows. Okay, so Jesus told us that he cares for us much more than he even cares for the rest of creation. And then he tells us how he cares for the grass that is so wonderfully dressed of, maybe we could say flowers. Look at these flowers all of them in wonderful, nice colors. And yet, they're only there for a very, 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 very short season. Okay? You see, now that these uh, uh, flowers are here, and they're here so that you are enjoying them. Okay? I hope I'm not blocking the, the view. Okay? So let me go a bit back. Can you see these nice flowers? Okay? So enjoy them. Enjoy them today. Enjoy them, you know, maybe somebody can enjoy them tomorrow or day after. But after that, they're gone. Okay? So now that they're in their full bloom, that's when you enjoy them. But that's also the beginning of the end. And so God says, if I can be able to take care of the flowers or the grass in the field, and even Solomon was not dressed like one of them, Okay? then how much more do I take care of you? Or he uses the, 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 the example of a bird. You know, how much does he take care of the little birds? Okay. They're not sowing. They're not reaping. But they are living well. And they always have enough. Okay. That's amazing. And God says, if I can do this to the flowers or to the birds, or to all creatures for that matter, 
How much will I do it for you who are created after my own image and likeness? Hey, this is powerful. So, you know, God makes it very clear that seed time and harvest time never cease. That was a promise God gave to Noah. Okay? Now, amazingly, God gives us seed and God gives us harvest. None of us has created the seed. We don't know how it came to us, but it's there. Okay? And we are able to sow the seeds and God will give us a harvest. And as you heard, God even wants to increase our harvest to even go towards hundredfold. Isn't that powerful? So we are taken care of. You see, the, the system that God has put in place is a system of supply constantly. Okay? We are now, you know, seven plus billion people. Very soon we are going to eight billion people in the world. And if, you know, man would not be so greedy and try to hoard things away, everybody can live well. Okay? The problem is not that there is not enough. The problem is a bad distribution. Some people are hoarding money, you know, trying to become rich. And yet none of us can take anything with us when we finally leave this place. So God has taken care of it. You know, so whatever God created, it has the ability to sustain, sustain itself. Even when God created man, God created only one person. Okay? Very interesting. God never created two people. He only created one person. Okay, that was Adam, the man. Adam means man. And of course, you may ask, what about if? Actually, God did not go back to the soil and make another person when he needed to come to, for Eve to come on the scene. No, actually, he just removed her from Adam. Okay? The only time a woman was removed from a man. Since then, every man and every woman, every male, every female baby is removed from the womb of a mother. Isn't it? At that time, only at the one time, God said, no, okay, don't worry. When, when finally Adam came to realize that he was alone, he was lonely, he, that means he was now mature, he came to understand that he needed some company, then God said, okay, I'll give you the company. And God removed Eve from Adam. So Eve was there. When God created Adam first, he created Adam with Eve inside. Actually, not only Eve, but all of us inside. Hey, this is amazing. So, no matter how many generations have gone, no matter how many years have gone, you know, we are still multiplying. And that's what God said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, every year, God has given us a seed time and a harvest time. And the seed he supplies and the bread he supplies, okay? The harvest he supplies. That's very powerful. Let me, let me just read this scripture from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Paul is uh, writing to the Corinthians and of course to all of us. And he says, remember this, okay? 
So if you are to remember this, that means it was said before. So it's not something brand new, it's something that has been taught before, but we easily forget. And he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So in other words, God gives you a harvest, but if you don't sow, then no harvest is going to come. Or if you sow little, not much is going to come. Generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Okay, that's a very, very interesting uh, um, uh, combination of words. So God says, you should not be reluctant when you give. Okay, so you should give with joy. Okay, if you give reluctantly, your giving is useless. Also, you should not give in, under compulsion. You know, this is a very modern fat in the church where people are being forced by the whatever prophets or whoever is uh, pushing them. You must give, you must give. And of course, they are given a lot of promises that of course uh, are 99.9% uh, .9 false. You must give, you must give, you know. And then of course, they are promised, you know, uh, put your coin into the vending machine and then down there, there comes the big uh, uh, prosperity. That's where prosperity is wrong. That's not what prosperity is all about, okay? So God does not want us to give reluctantly, okay? If you can't give with all of your heart, please don't give because that's useless. It will not serve you. It will not bless you at all. Okay, and there are some people, they have always to be pushed to remember that they should actually learn to give. But, you know, if you are not able to become a cheerful giver, then uh, you are wasting your time. So I'm not forcing you to give. That would be very, very far from my intention. God wants you to become a cheerful giver. So don't be a reluctant giver. Neither should be you be forced to give. But you should decide in your own heart. And if you have a heart that is filled with the love of God, you will be a giver. Because the Bible tells us very clearly, God himself says, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? And if that is not true in your life, then you have to really check the status of your, of your family uh, identity. Maybe you're not even a child of God. Sorry to say that, but that's a fact. Okay? So, you must not... Give reluctantly, nor should you give under compulsion where people are forcing you, because the one God loves is the one who is a cheerful giver, the one who gives with joy, okay? And next time, you know, we have a suffering, mm, mm, mm. you know, like sometimes, uh, you know, it's, there were times when I was also counting uh, the offering at uh, certain meetings, and, you know, some of the money is so scrambled up that you realize somebody had a battle to let it go. <laughs> okay? So if, if this is you, you know, uh, then you need to up yourself. You up the game. You know, must become a cheerful giver. Because only as a cheerful giver will there be a blessing returning back to you. You see, this is why this nonsense about trying to, you know, uh, make God a vending machine never works. Because God is not a machine. 
God is God, and he loves a cheerful giver, not somebody who gives under compulsion. That's why you have never heard me pushing you against the wall and say, we need to raise so much money. You know, I mean, there are churches who bring people from West Africa because they're apparently very good in that, okay, just to raise certain amounts of money. And of course, you know, some of them, they are actually going into contract. When, when you raise that money for me, then so much percentage is yours. I've never done that, and I will never do that because it's not according to the word of God. I'm just teaching you, become a cheerful giver. You know, listen to your hearts. What God tells you in your heart, that is what you should give. So don't be reluctant, neither should you be under compulsion. That means under force to give. Okay, very interesting. So God loves a cheerful giver. And God who is able to make all grace abound in to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Hey, this is powerful, yeah? God wants all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Not necessarily all that you want, but all that you need. Praise God. God is a good God. God wants to prosper you in a, in a true sense. And you will abound not only in the things that you receive, but you will abound in everything that you do, in every good work. So in other words, you know, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way relationship. You receive and you give back. You receive and you give back. You are not just a recipient, but you're also choosing the better way and become a giver. It is more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. Of course, receiving is very necessary because we are poor, we are, uh, uh, you know, we have been in this world in sin and God has given us his salvation, God has given us his blessing, God has given us his grace and mercy and truth. You know, all of these things God has given. He has made provision for all of this. But then also we must learn to be givers and prosper in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You know, when you receive from God, you receive not only goods, but you receive righteousness. Okay, and that's what we want. And this is what our theme of the year says, that God may come and shower righteousness upon you and me, upon all of us. Amen? He will supply all your needs. And his righteousness will endure forever. Now, verse 10, now he who supplies the seed to the sower, and a, a, a sower who has no seed has nothing to do, he's, he's without a job, okay? So God has supplied the seed. That seed is powerful that you put into the ground, but it is God's gift to you, okay? Maybe you have bought it, yes, but if it was not there, you could not even have bought it. God is the one who supplies seed to the sower, okay? It's by his grace, never forget that. So he is supplying seed to the sower and bread for food, 
He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, not just general righteousness, but of your righteousness. Okay, so God wants to supply seed for you, increase your store of seeds, and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Praise the Lord. So that is the reason for true, for true prosperity, that we can be generous. You know, the secret, uh, the secret of uh, prosperity is that we seek the kingdom of God first. Okay? A lot of people say, okay, I don't have, I don't have uh, much to give, you know, let me see whether I have something left over and then I give to God. And you will find out nothing will be left over. You will never become a giver if you are giving the leftovers. And God doesn't want your leftovers. God wants you to give the first, the first fruit. The te first 10% of your tithes should be his, not yours. Okay, and God said, test me in that. Because the people of Israel became unfaithful to the Lord. And God said to them, bring your whole tithes into the storehouse. That's Malachi 3 verse 10 that there may be food in my house. You know, God is watching over his house. He wants to see food in his house. And his house is not a building like this one. His house are the people who are called to serve the Lord. Okay? The family of God. Okay? If I'm not well taken care of, I can't preach the gospel to you. Okay, so take care of the house of God. So bring the whole tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open, not just open slowly, but throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Hey, are you ready for such blessings? But there are conditions, okay? You must discern your land. You must understand what comes first. You must be able to sow the seeds and receive the harvest and then give God what belongs to him first, not at the end. That's what so many of us become, get wrong all the time. You know, uh, yesterday I was writing on my message uh, out about the, the, the story that Jesus talked about um, the, the three servants that the, the, uh, the landowner, the master, gave his property to. One he gave ten talents, another one five, the other one two. And then after a long time he came back. And of course they were not the owners, they were the stewards to take care of what God gave them. And when they came back, the first one came, he brought the five that he had been originally given brought it back, but he brought it together with the increase, 100% increase. So he no longer had five, he had now 10. Okay, he brought it to the Lord. Okay, because after all, he was a steward. It was not his own property. So everything belonged to God. And of course, all along the way, he was taken good care of by, by the, 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 the blessings that came with, with that gift. Then there came the next servant, and he also... Uh, you know, got two, uh, 
talents, and he had also a 100% increase. And interestingly, between the two, there was no animosity. The one didn't say, oh, it's not fair. Why are you giving five and me? I only been given two. No, both of them worked. Both of them concentrated on what God had given them. And that's what every one of us should do. We should concentrate on what God has given to us and utilize it to the best of our abilities. And so he came and he brought it and, uh, you know, 100% increase. Two plus two is four, okay? And, uh, you know, that talent is meant wealth, actually it means like money or whatever uh, supplies. He brought it back to the Lord. And the response of the master was the same. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will put you over much. And then he says, come and enter into your master's happiness. So in other words, they are not only people who are able to, you know, uh, see an increase in the supplies, an increase in the, in the blessings, but they are also receiving, you know, the fellowship of the living Master, the, 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 because this is a picture of Christ, so we are going to be with him forever and ever. Okay? Now, one important point I want to give you. Okay? There was the third servant who was a lazy servant. He came back. He brought the one talent he was given and that he had hidden in the ground. He brought it back. He had no increase. Zero return. Okay? You know, if you have a company and you also always have zero returns, close it. Because that is not what the company is there for. You're supposed to make money. You're supposed to have a, a return, you know, at least 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, whatever the case may be. If you have zero returns all the time, that's useless. Okay? Then he started, this guy, he started now accusing the masses that I know you want to just reap where you have not sown. What about that talent that he gave him? Was that not enough for him to start work with? He could have doubled it easily as well. Or, as the master says, you could have given it to the bankers. At least I would have had some interest. I don't know how much the interest would have been at that particular time, but at least, you know, you come out with something. If it's today, you know, maybe make 20% interest. 15, 20, maybe 25%. Whatever the case may be, whatever kind of instrument you are using to invest your money in. But a guy came with zero. And the master's verdict was, you lazy servant. Okay? He was, he was not thankful for what he was given. Neither did he use anything that he was given, but he was lazy in what he was, uh, or in how he was treating everything. The first, the second, and the third were given where the master's property, and they brought it back to the master. The two, first two had an increase of 100%, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. But you know what? The master did not take these resources away from them. Actually, they did not know that whatever they would work for would be actually theirs. You understand? Only the man who never worked with what he was given, he told the, 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 the servants, take away 
this one talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Wow. And Jesus said, whoever has will be given even more. And whoever does not have, he will even lose what he has. Because, you know, all of us, we were given. All of us, we received. So it's important for us to understand, yes, we will work for our Lord and Savior, but actually you work for yourself. The blessing that you are going to multiply, you know, the resources that you have, you have received and you multiply will be eventually yours. The master is not interested in taking it away from you because in the first place he wants to bless you, you know, abundantly. More than you can imagine that you can think. This is amazing. That's why we must learn these very important lessons from the Lord. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into where? Somewhere else? Into your lap. Hey, this is powerful. Now, there's a secret here. And the secret is for with the measure, for, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you take a, a very small, uh, you know, teaspoon, and this is how you give, your blessings can only come back in this teaspoon size. Okay? If you take a bucket of 20 liters, then that same measure will be able to bring back the blessings to you. Okay? And if you can even take a 40-ton trucks and you, 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 you make a blessing like that, then it will come back to you in a 40-ton ton truck. The measure you use will be used to you. Okay? So think about your giving. Think about your faithfulness. You see, God wants you to become a cheerful giver. God has given cheerfully, lovingly. You know, he has created a wonderful environment before we even came into this world. Before even any human being came into this world, he had created wonderful things for us. This is powerful. So God wants us to abound in every good work. God wants to increase our harvest of righteousness. God wants to expand that land that he has promised. And you know, unfortunately, God had promised uh, a land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and only at one particular time, and that was under the rulership of, of, of Solomon, where they almost, not completely, but almost covering the whole land that God had promised them. Later on, never again. Even today, it's only a small, tiny place. Okay? So God has promised so much more than we actually take possession of. And the people of Israel, they had a problem to take possession of the land. You know, when they came out of Egypt, they were always having issues, always murmuring as if God didn't take care for them. It was God who delivered them from Egypt. It was God who took care of their needs. It was God who fed them with manna in the wilderness. It was God who provided the water along the way. There was no need for them to always accuse God and, 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 and try to rebel against him. 
And then he says, I will give you that land that I have promised to your fathers. And they never took it. Would this be a, not be a tragedy for you and for me if we now learn about the blessings that God has prepared for us and we don't take hold of them? Wouldn't that be a terrible tragedy that we have lived a life never really rising to the level that God had actually wanted us to reach? So brothers and sisters, today I want to encourage you that you discern your promised land. That you understand how much God has promised to you and to all of us. So remember, you decide the measure of your blessing. If you are saying, you know, it's not fair, you know, I'm, I'm always like coming out last, you know, maybe check what kind of measurement you use to give. If that is a teaspoon measurement, then you don't need to be surprised when a teaspoon blessing comes back to you. Because God says, Jesus says, the measure that you use will be used back to you. Okay? So I want you today, I want you to take hold of your promised land, of the blessings of God. Okay? I want to challenge you. Okay, God said, I'm the Lord, your healer. If you're sick, have you taken hold of the healing? You know, if you are, you know, unable to pay your bills, your house rent or whatever, take hold of the promise of God. He said, I will supply all your needs, all that you need. But you must learn to become a cheerful giver with a good measure so that the measure that you use will be meaningful for your life. You know, because if a blessing comes to you in a teaspoon, it may even fall on the ground and you have never even seen it. You know, if uh, you give little and God gives little back to you, like in a teaspoon, then imagine if this is how God gives rain, that little, little teaspoon, your, 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 your measure, okay? That little, little teaspoon measure. If you, give, if you receive rain for your farm, for your, for your flowers, for your uh, crops to grow, uh, they will not grow because that is going to be too little for them to survive. And sometimes you have seen things that you have tried to do come to an end because you used a measure which was too little and what came back to you was too small. So today I want to encourage you, discern your promised land and I want to make it a bit practical today, okay? I want to encourage you to take a step and say, I have heard what God says. Because these were not my words, these are the words of the Lord. Remember today, God has personalized his word to you. Just like he did personalize his word to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to, uh, to Jacob, and then to so many others. 
You can see that time and time again, God has been speaking to, to individuals. And today, God has individualized his message to you. So the question is, what do you do with, your, with this message of God? This is a famine. You know, there's very little rain in the northern hemisphere. And we pray that God will give us good rain in the southern hemisphere. But even with, within a famine, you know, remember Isaac, he was living in a famine, but his crop was hundredfold. Not because there was a lot of rain, but because they were the blessings of the Lord. So today I want you to take hold of it. I, I want to invite you, those of you who say, you know, I have understood something very clearly. Just come here. You know, just for a moment, we'll pray here on the, on the altar of God. You know, this is God's house. It's not the building, but it's us as a family who want to unite, stand before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to discern my promised land. Help me to become a cheerful giver. Help me, Lord, to increase my measure that I became, become a giver that you can rejoice with that you can have excitement for. So, brothers and sisters, I'm already here. If I would not be here, I would come. But I'm already here. Because this message is a message not just for you, it's a message to me too. Okay? I want to invite you as we pray, you know, you can step forward, stand here, and give your personal response to the Lord. You see, Abraham gave a response to the Lord. Isaac gave a response to the Lord. Jacob gave a response to the Lord. And so many others have responded to the voice of God. And let us do that today. Let us discern the blessings of God that he has prepared. Maybe you have not taken hold of it, that he has prepared so that you take hold of it. The people of Israel failed to take hold of the blessings of God. Let us not fail to take hold of the blessings of God. So let us stand. And we are going to take some time to pray. And while we pray, if you feel I need to come and give God an answer, I know you can do it from where you are, but you know, sometimes it's very powerful when you are saying, okay, let me step forward and ask God to take care of that particular situation in my life. Every one of us has a certain situation in life that we are dealing with. And I want you to just come here, put it before the Lord, and let God move in your life in a very special way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we have heard your word loud and clear. Lord, you have spoken to us individually today. Not just to a crowd, but this Logos today has become a rhema in our life today, has become a daba, has become a life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we are standing together here as a congregation, Lord, let that which we have heard become a reality in our life. Lord Jesus, today we are claiming 
not just a part of that promised land that you have spoken about, but Lord, we want to take hold of those things that you have said. Lord Jesus, like Isaac, so often we go through famine. And I pray, Lord, that you become the source within the famine. Lord, that when we plant our, our seed, it will not bring a return because there is rain, but because you are giving the blessings upon that seed. And Lord Jesus, I pray that this may happen in every one of our lives who have come here to say, Lord, I will take a step. I will make a decision. I'm taking hold of the blessings of God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we are here today, that we are able to hear your voice. Lord, that you are able to point your fingers right there in our hearts where we have uh, not yet been able to overcome, where we're still struggling, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I pray, let us become cheerful givers. Let us become evidence of what you can do in our lives because you love us and because you have given us so many powerful promises. Lord Jesus, we are together here and we are going to step out by faith. And Lord, sight, but by faith. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you are allowing the blessings from on high to come upon that which we do in our lives. Lord Jesus, if our measure was too small, help us to increase it. Lord, help us to listen to you in our hearts that we are really being servants of the living God. Lord, thank you that you have shown to us that whatever we are bringing back as a return, it will be eventually ours. Because you want to gift us. You want to increase the blessings upon our lives. And Lord Jesus, I want to, to let your blessings flow in everyone who is standing in front here, Lord. Everyone who has come with a particular need, be it in the natural, be it about money, be it about a job, be it about, about not able to pay a certain, certain obligations. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you are giving us that return that you have promised. Help us, Lord, not to be stingy anymore, but to be givers who come to you with a cheerful heart. Help us, Lord, to see how much you have already invested into our lives. Lord, how much you have given to us without us knowing. Lord, you made us so rich with gifts and talents and abilities. And Lord Jesus, I pray that all these gifts and talents, all these abilities which may be lying dormant, Lord, that they are going to be blessed and that they will bring a return back to us and to the kingdom of God. So Lord Jesus, I give you praise. I give you honor. I want to speak a blessing upon each and everyone who is on this altar this morning. Lord, you hear our cry inside of our hearts. Lord, you know what we are 
in need of. Even before we cry, your word says, you know what we need. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your answer will come. Jesus, your answer will come so that what we need is being taken care of. So Jesus, I bless each and everyone here in front and even everyone behind. Lord, let your blessings come with like streams of living water. Lord Jesus, as we are mentioning that problem that we are facing in particular in our personal lives, Lord, I pray that you deal with those issues. And Lord, help us that we step out, that we possess the land, that we take care of your blessings. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you help us not to get discouraged, but Lord, to remember your word of promise. Live through the year of famine and walking into a mighty harvest like we have seen in the life of Isaac. Even if there's still famine when we are putting the seed in the ground, Lord, you make the seed grow. You make our faith being rewarded. And Lord, let us hear your voice saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, I will put you over much. Enter into the presence of your master. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you that I can be a channel of blessings right now to let your blessings flow and proclaim those blessings and those, those prosperity uh, in the different areas of our life in the true sense. Not the tr prosperity that we are selfishly using for ourselves, but, Lord, a prosperity that enables us to be generous in the kingdom of God and to the people who are in need. Let your blessings be multiplied. Be multiplied. Be multiplied. Be multiplied. Over and over and over. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Before you go back, you know, there's a story in the Old Testament where the prophet has been called to the king and there were so many enemies around there. And so the prophet Elijah said, go and shoot through the window. And he was shooting through the window. And then he says, now uh, take the other arrows and hit the ground, hit the ground, hit the ground. And uh, the king hit the ground once, twice, three times. He didn't, you know, he heard what, what the master, what the prophet said, but somehow maybe he was not very convinced. And so he hit the ground, maybe feebly, one, twice, three times. And then he stopped. And the prophet got annoyed with him and says, now, why did you stop? Okay, why did you stop? You should have hit the ground over and over and over and over again. You would have finally completely defeated your enemies. But because you have done only feebly three times, and then you look at me, you will only have three victories and that's it. So sometimes, you know, we must just keep at it, okay? Don't go home and say, ah, is that going to really happen? 
No, make sure that you believe it. Trust God. You know, hit the ground, hit the ground, hit the ground, hit the ground again and again and again. So that that which God has promised is going to come and be manifest in your life, in your family, in your ministry, or wherever. May God bless you richly. Amen? Amen. Amen. And remember, as you go back, you know, we know that there is a clever guy who is always saying, eh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. No, the devil is not our concern. Just, just put the devil aside and trust the word of the Lord. Trust the word of the Lord. Repeat, you know, that's why we have a bulletin. You can take these scriptures, read them again. You know, read the, the promise to Abraham. Or even going back even to Adam and Eve. You know, God prepared them a garden, a garden well prepared, full of wonderful things, which they've never, never really exploited because they never really fully understood the, the resources that God had given them. Okay? But as you go back, just say, let me discover all the, all the gold in my land. Okay, all the minerals that are in my land, all the trees, you know, all the things that are there for pleasure and there for good food and whatever it is, you know. Don't just, don't just allow anybody to derail you. Don't even say things to, you know, uh, doubt what, what God has said. But repeat what you have heard. Okay, read those scriptures. Okay, that's why they are there. Until they are fully part of you. Okay, and when the devil tries to put a doubt, read to him. He says, okay, devil, if you have not heard, let me read to you. Okay, because the devil is uh, not understanding the word of God. So read it to him so that, because, you know, uh, he doesn't understand the word of God. That's why he doesn't apply it to his own life. Number two, because he doesn't understand the word of God, he doesn't like the word of God. So when you are saying it is written and you read to him, he's running away. So make the devil run. Okay. What the devil cannot stand is what is written, the promise of God. So never doubt, but read the word of God. And, and if you can, you know, and I'm sure you can, even read it loud. You know, don't just let your eyes see it, let your ears hear the word of the Lord. Okay? So these scriptures is a source of treasure, resources that God has given to us. And remember what I said God personalizes his promises to us, okay? He doesn't just say, okay, you're all blessed. No, God says, you know, whether you're Adam, whether you're Abraham, whether you're Isaac, whether you're Jacob, the blessing is for you and to the single one of us, every one of us, okay? So put your name there. As you read, just claim these are my promises. This is the land of promise that God has spoken about, okay? And God wants us to reach that land of promise. So may God bless you richly. Amen. Amen. Amen.